Listen, I've got kids and I have a wife who's not a morning person. I am way more fluent in zombie than you are. Yes! Uh, let me try something. <laughs> oh, 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 see, he agrees. <clears throat> totally did not tell me to shut up. Okay, fine. You made your point. I'm sorry, all right? Fine, bite me. See if I care. Stay the Survival Podcast, bringing you survival game news. Hello and welcome everyone to the State of Survival podcast. Wait a minute. That sounds too robotic. My fellow host and producer has been making fun of me, so we're going to try a different approach. Hello, folks, and welcome to the State of Survival podcast. We're an amazing furniture store. Oh, wait, we're not a furniture store. Either way, folks, welcome to the State of Survival podcast. We are happy to have you folks here on episode eight. We're going to go ahead and introduce our staff. Let's go ahead and talk to Yarl and see what's going up. Yarl, what's up, man? Hello, everyone. Everything is going great. I have a feeling our producer might cancel us early thanks to dumb shenanigans. But luckily, my daughter graduated this last Thursday, Saturday, and then we had Father's Day. And I thought to myself, man, finally, no more interruptions to my stream schedule. But I have a bunch of junk I have to get rid of. So I'm probably going to be taking Saturday off just to get it all out. Doing a little bit of spring cleanup. So as far as this week goes, we've got this lovely stream. Tomorrow, Dungeons & Dragons was canceled because Gedwin will be at a, con a convention. And I'm going to be streaming something else in its place. Thursday, we are going to be playing with our podcast fellows here. And on Friday, I will be a little later to the stream just because how busy this week's been. And I should be doing some Star Trek Resurgence. So tune in. That is awesome. And let's go ahead and swipe on over to our friend Red Falcon here. What's going on? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and redo the introduction. Right, can we go uh, ahead and redo that? I think we should go ahead and go ahead and go, let's say go ahead some more. Uh, that's okay, a little let's go ahead. Joke, folks, folks. <laughs> I, I, give, I give Dump a lot of crap, so um, that's how we have fun around here. So, uh, yeah, doing great. Um, you know, getting just continuing to tune the podcast as we go and improve things along the way. Um, had a pretty good uh, weekend uh, in the Daisy world. We had uh, a hot fix for 1.21 came out that actually fixed some things that I had been chasing down with Bohemia. So that's uh, pretty interesting that they do pay attention to tickets in the feedback tracker and will fix things that are identified if you give them the proper information. Awesome. And you know what? I'm I'm so excited for that because that's one of the things they said up to the 1.21 release was they were like, please use the feedback tracker. We do read it. It's like, okay, we'll see, Bohemia. We'll see if you do. They do. They do. It's not as fast as you would want because it's not a huge team, but they definitely look at them. They definitely, like I said, I, I make sure and do thorough testing um, so that I can say, this is how to reproduce it exactly. They'll go and say, yep, we reproduced it. Oh, we found it. It's fixed. Yeah. And you, you got to love that about the Daisy, the Daisy feedback tracker, uh, folks, is that they actually communicate. They tell you when they're internally testing to reproduce the bug. They tell you when they've confirmed it. And they tell you when they are working on a fix uh, or, or if it's been assigned to the team. Um, it's cool that they actually let you, as the feedback tracker, uh, actually know about that. Right, Red? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I like it too because as a as a player, I, I feel like we're not. It's not like dealing with Bethesda support where it's the guy from Office Space. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to come in on a Saturday. No, it's like they're very. I mean, they're a small team, but they're diligent. Right. Oh man, hilarious. Well, in my news, I actually decided to do an improvement to our uh, podcast the other day when it comes to our links and our posts. I made a video about it on Twitter, posted on Instagram too, wherever you follow us. It's also even linked on our Discord. Explains essentially that we have improved it so it is a one post and done situation. You guys no longer are going to be annoyed by the double posts or sometimes even triple posts or even coming to the live stream after it's done and not knowing where the video actually is. So we fixed fixed all of that. And you know what, folks? Your guys' feedback is what inspired us to actually fix that problem. So cahoots to you guys. In my world, my wife had just turned it up 30, <coughs> 34. Um, and you should have said 28. 30, you should have said 28. 
Well, I have to say 30 now because her friend turned 30 and she can't be older or uh, younger than her friend. It just gets awkward. Either way. <laughs> so she and her gals went out and had a heck of a time. I ended up being the chauffeur, the person dealt with the plans, made sure they all got in the car mostly dressed and all that kind of stuff. It was definitely an interesting time. But that's how I spent my weekend. And I went and had some amazing lobster and crab and shrimp and all that stuff uh, yesterday with my wife. So lots of fun times. In other news, it looks like we're going to actually get started with the podcast finally. <laughs> uh that's right folks uh in today's episode uh we are talking about how mods have influenced the design and one of the things that dump and i had spoken of is with all of this excitement around the basements and the sewer systems that they're adding into build 42 i wanted to make sure that we were on point with that and that we knew what was we were coming into so we had this brilliant idea y'all why don't we try some of the mods on our playthrough on thursday um that did not go as planned uh and that's what we're going to discuss today how the mods have a lot of red tape and how the developers are cutting that red tape and providing us with what we want but also respecting the mods and their origins so let's go ahead and take off Okay, so oh. the operation was simple, Dump. I was going to get the mods, and we were going to play them. But the basement's mod doesn't play well with other mods. It also has a few other finicky details. And the sewers mod, where they add sewers behind certain cells, requires you to customize the map. And that was just not something I was prepared to do. So we went back to plan B, which was get to the hospital and get supplies. How did that go in your mind? <laughs> um, it went about as well as I think a hospital visit in real life usually does. We had a plan. We went there. Then we pretty much threw out the plan. So <laughs> we made the plan. We went to execute the plan, had the problems with the plan with thing, and threw it out the window. And then we, we went with what? It was just, just weird. Although I will have to say, uh, I did like the new character you were playing. Oh, yes, Father Connors. Yeah, because uh, my doctor passed away in the previous episode. Last time, uh, we were basically headed from our house. We were headed south on the map to the trip to the Louisville Hospital. And we lost a couple members along the way. You know, nothing huge. Uh, but it came down to it being nighttime and us going on foot. And then I got smacked in the face and I lost my glasses. And of course, I'm always like, oh, well, you can take short-sighted. That's a freebie, because as long as you have glasses, there's no penalty to it. Man, the moment I lost those glasses, I could not see the Zed that decided to take a bite into the doctor like an apple. Uh, but there really wasn't a whole lot of undead. We even made it to the telecoms place, which is right next to the hospital, and there wasn't really a whole lot of undead. It was bizarre. Uh, and then we decided, okay, let's wrap it up. I introduced Father Connors, and at the beginning of the stream, we decided it's time to go loot that hospital. So we decide to take a car this time. We drive down towards the St. Peregrine Hospital, and uh, still not a whole lot of undead. We thought, let's take shelter in the telecoms, loot around a little bit. The moment we were clearing out the parking lot, we heard the blades of a helicopter incoming. And we immediately panicked and took shelter in a building entirely made of glass, went to the second story, and just watched the stairwell with sweat dripping off our brow because the helicopter left us and then came back. And then and they came back. I mean, we were we were waiting there for quite a while before it went off. Uh, how did it feel uh, having, it having me in the lead and all that stuff go south, Dump? It was... <laughs> intriguing at best um oh man you know folks i don't know if you folks know but a helicopter is in most zomboid games a one-time event and they circle around you if they find you which is why we hit as quick as we did but sometimes it catches a glimpse of you and it won't leave for the entirety of the event mm -hmm. um and that can really draw a lot of zombies to you 
which like y'all said, we were in a glass house. Like, yeah, we were on the second story, but that stairwell, yeah, he's right. We were watching that like a hawk. We even talked about sacrificing the father, hoping that, you know, a holy sacrifice would be worthy of us being survived. <laughs> Bless you, child. Bless you. Oh, man. And, and the weird thing is, there still wasn't a whole lot of undead. We even saw them following the helicopter way, but it was something that the three of us could handle. There, there just wasn't a lot. So naturally, as with any game I play, Ego got the best of me. And uh, we went down and looted the hospital. But just like the American healthcare system, we went in looking for medical help and got none because there was nothing except bandages and Band-Aids. I think we got maybe four disinfectants, but everything else was gone. <laughs> oh, man. And you're, you're totally right. It was like the American, um, American health system because they even cost us an, almost an arm and a leg. Almost, Actually, it right? An entire, it cost us an entire person. <laughs> Ah, that's fine. We don't have to worry about that. But the fact of the matter is there still weren't a whole lot of undead. So we took the car back, dejected, and we're like, okay, there's no more TV shows. We're dying at alarming rate. Some of us have lost our journals and we didn't get squat for medical supplies. So you know what we're going to need? We're going to need VHS tapes. And we went around for a little bit and I had the genius idea of, okay, well, since we're kind of aimlessly wandering and exploring, Let's go to my church so that I can get a priest outfit. And I think I saw a high-tech store just south of that. So we went back. And oh boy, was that a mistake. Uh, we got a little too comfortable. Let's let's roll it back a little bit, okay? I don't know what Our you're new about. buddy decided that he wanted to go to VHS tapes, like you said. But what he didn't tell us was there was a giant horde over there. And that he wanted to get out in the middle of the horde and fight them. That is, that's kind of true. That's not really what happened. We were driving to the church and it stalled on the grass and I couldn't get the dang car going again. It was on one body and it was just high centered. So of course, Dump and I did what we should and bailed. And well, we lost another guy. Uh, and I immediately <laughs> headed south towards the, the VHS store thinking, okay, it can't be that bad. We went, we found the technology store, but we wanted to go back for our friend and bring him back. And then that's when, as, as you could see on the screen, and for those listening to the podcast, as we were leaving, I got centered again on the grass, having to avoid some wreckages. And Dump had told me he didn't do so hot. He was bit. So he was doing everything he could to save the good father. I got swarmed, had to abandon the car. I ran up two city blocks and then I tripped because I had no glasses. And that was the end of the father. <laughs> oh, man. So, to, uh, to describe to you folks the image that we're looking at, it literally is a station wagon blue with a bunch of zombies around it, literally about to bust through all of the doors and windows to get at us. It's pretty much like an image from a zombie horror scene. <laughs> you could and you, see and you, it from a rooftop view. And you were shooting, <laughs> right? And you were shooting, and they were ignoring it. They were like, that's oh, great. Yeah, I'm going to let you finish, but first... Right. And they were just like, no. We want our holy prize, our delicious, innocent, pure meat. It was terrible. Oh. But <laughs> that's all I have on the recap of the that, that playthrough. Did you have any experiences that you kind of tapped into? You know, I, I have to say it was funny because... As you're running two city blocks and you eventually passed away, I was still running around surviving, trying to get enough gas to start up a car I found a key for. And then I realized that I had dropped the key somewhere. So I decided in favor of Father Connor getting us into the situation, I tried to find a oven because I recently learned gas cans and ovens cause a fire. And I was going to take down the entire church, but they don't have an oven, but they have two mortuaries and microscope or a microbiotic systems there in the church. And I just was yeah, like, I mean, listen, we weird. don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. I told you I was not cooking meth. It was purely for the benefit of everybody. And before oh. the doctor gets defamed anymore, let's go ahead. I want to hear what red Falcons hot take is. Cause right now I'm in the hot seat and I'm not liking it too much. 
All right, Red. What have we got for your hot take today? Okay, I know that we're talking about uh, Project Zomboid this week, but me being a Daisy centric person, I'm going to pivot a little bit and talk about Daisy. Uh, my hot take for this week is the Drones mod, which came out recently. And this is something I had thought about kind of after I started slowing down on the helicopter mod and thinking about doing other things. I thought that would be really cool to do and never got around to it as things happen. Um, but somebody else uh, put it together and it's really slick. So they've got uh, three different models, um, kind of the tiny one, uh, a medium sized one, and then a heavy cargo lifting one. So the cargo one will actually, you can attach a crate to it uh, and use it to fly supplies to somebody. Uh, it's, it's, pretty nifty and then the smaller two you can attach an explosive to and uh, drop that uh, when you get over target so you can throw a grenade in there uh, buzz over to somebody's base or somebody that you want to give them a little surprise uh, hit the space bar and it'll drop the grenade and kaboom um, to fly them they have a it looks like a little tablet um, and so that once you pair the tablet with the drone that you're going to fly you can start it up your view goes to the it's the uh, point of view from the drone uh, with a custom HUD and then you fly it around and it's got a range of about a kilometer uh, they take uh, a number of 9 volt batteries um, the bigger ones take more so I think the big one takes like 8 9 volt batteries um, which I haven't tested the flight time on those yet I know that there's some other streamers that have done some more in-depth uh, on the details, but I just thought this was a, a really cool mod kind of taking things in a slightly different direction for Daisy. I think that's such a cool idea, too, because especially seeing it, how they're being used by even just using civilian drones in war. I think this is the first time we've actually seen how viable they are in combat and different kind of environments it's really cool to see a mod bring that in because i could you know 10 years ago if you asked me what you would do for zombie survival for scouting i'd say take a bike because it doesn't make noise or use fuel but now that drones are more readily available they are such a cool idea to use for scouting places absolutely yeah i totally agree you know just like pull up your phone you know be all like uh day z uh delivery oh yeah i need some nail i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well thank you red i'm definitely gonna be checking that out um i posted the link in chat before dump did because i'm better so <laughs> feel free to check that out uh chat <laughs> all right uh and now on to my hot take which is related but i sat there thinking about it it is so cool that we are getting sewers and basements like really cool but i started to think about it is that really a viable solution in a zombie apocalypse? Uh, definitely, surely to get away from somebody, it makes sense. But one of the biggest things about, you know, basements and sewers is you're visibly and audibly hiding. So people can't hear you as easily. They can't see you. But you can't be the only person that are th that thinks about going into the sewers or basements for cover. Uh, also, the undead are kind of unrelenting. They won't just give up because they see you go in a sewer hatch. So when do you leave to get surface for supplies without knowing where you're going in the sewer system? Uh, and I've always loved those ideas because being in a zombie apocalypse isn't about winning. It's about seeing how long you can survive with the hand that you're dealt. But another hidden cost is the health risks. Like, is it really worth it to shelter up in somebody's basement or a sewer when there's invisible killers like asbestos and other bacterial? So, you know, I, it makes me think of the old Daisy where it's like sepsis, sepsis. Every time you turn around, you get sepsis. Like, that that's kind of my hot take. Cool to have for immersion, but is it really a viable survival solution? I think not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's good. Some, some good points. I know definitely underneath your toiletries. It definitely. Would be oh, hazardous. I wouldn't go in my sewer. Yeah, I, it would be like the Terminator 2 scene. I'd just be like. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I love it. Well, folks, my hot take is actually kind of a shout out slash a point to uh, the Project Zomboid Reddit is back after uh, going dark for a while to help in protest of the new API changes, which folks, you're more than welcome to Google and look at that and to form your own opinions. I'm not going to go into that. Project Zomboid has decided to put their subreddit back up for people to start using. They came to this decision mainly because they were having the uh, admins from Reddit pretty much state that if you do not put your subreddit back up, we will remove your moderators and put in our own. Project Zomboid stepped up and said, you know what? No. We pay our moderators. Our moderators do an amazing job. And our community as a whole in our game, which we have cultured, made into a welcoming and loving environment, cannot be sacrificed for this. So they opened the Reddit back up. I did post inside of our uh, chat, and it's going to be in the description below, the full post. But I actually have to commend the Project Zomboid people on this. They solved a problem which would jeopardize not only their game, but all the people who enjoy their game, and decided to step up and kind of, for lack of a better word, put away that the kind of stepping up to the man and allow the community to come back to thriving. Because I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but their project, uh, Zomboid Reddit, is thriving and tons of stuff get posted on there. I see easily like 16 to 20 posts every day, being uploaded well over a thousand votes. So it was really cool they decided to kind of take a jab to the lip to continue to not only keep their mods being paid and everything else, but also to help keep enriching the community they've helped develop. In further news, in the same post, they're looking for new moderators. So if you stand by them for what they did and you like this community, go ahead and step up. Apply to be a Reddit moderator. It is a paid position. Yeah, that's awesome, too, because uh, I troll their Reddit from time to time, and you can see a lot of that because I'm a player, you're a modder. There's sometimes a disconnect, but it's really cool seeing some of their ideas come to fruition. Like, players have some really good ideas, and there's a lot of that talk on Reddit where you don't get that so much on the Steam posts. Definitely, definitely. Well, that All is right. my hot take. Thank you so much. With that, let's get into the meat of uh, what we're talking about. So, as I mentioned before, uh, we weren't able to actually get the mods functioning on the server. Uh, they don't play well with other mods. So, Dump and I had talked about it, and I decided that I would just start some fresh maps on my laptop at home and start playing around with some of the mods. And one of them is called Basements, uh, which I will go ahead and link in chat for y'all. It is a fun mod. So everything I'm saying about it is just from an objective, you know, game developer, game design kind of uh, little hangups that I have. Uh, first of all, the Basements mod does a lot for the game, but there are no pre-generated basements. Basements, it's something you craft. Um, and as long as you have a shovel, a hammer, the planks and nails and hinges needed to create the basement. It creates a hatch style basement. So you'll have a ladder that goes underneath and you can build everything that you need in there. Um, but in order to do that, much like the generators, you have to go out looking for a magazine. So it's not something you could do off the bat, which I immediately found kind of, uh, kind of a sidestep to uh, the situation. We want to feel like we're playing in a real world, although this does provide us a safe area to store our stuff and you kind of lose the wonder of exploration when you have to look for a manual and build it yourself um definitely not for that hybrid nomadic style that i really like unless you have a lot of supplies uh the the other thing that i did not like about it um other than it just needs to be a brand new world can't have any other mods it's kind of limiting you're given some options of small medium and large but they're all square and they all look the same. Dump, when you think that you're going to find basements, what is it that you're hoping to get out of the experience? Is it something you can craft on your own or something you can explore and discover? Well, that's an interesting question, Jarl, mainly because there's two sides to it, right? I would love to find basements that are with the house, that have been made over time, maybe old food store cellars, maybe wine cellars or... Maybe if it's just some guy pretending to be a uh, 
you know, a doomsday prepper and you find a bunch of radios and all that stuff down there. But the thing that I think designates a pre, um, a pre-built basement, um, of all of those different variations versus a crafted one is I think a crafted one should be, and look, crafted. So when I do that whole little shindig, you know, the planks, the nails, the whatever, and I go down there, I should have rough, uh, dirt walls. I should have to reinforce it. There should be lots of, lots of technical obstacles to crafting my own basement. Unfortunately, uh, that's that's my opinion on it because honestly, when you dig out a basement, because it's totally viable, you can. It definitely needs a lot to be desired. You have to reinforce mm -hmm. it and all that kind of stuff to make sure it doesn't crumble on you and essentially collapse you in. Yeah, and I had no problem with the design of the basements, but you're right. When you go down into these built basements, it does randomize what's on the walls. But the walls are all sheet metal. The the flooring is all this beautiful planked wood. It didn't feel like a basement. Um, now there are some cool things they do with it, but but I'm with you. I'm also not a fan of the ladder basements because, and I kind of knew this was going to be an issue before I did the mod. The Zeds can't go down there. Uh, it's almost like it's a loaded instance, kind of like when you play Bethesda games and you step into a bar and then it goes to the loading screen. So they'll yeah. crowd the exit, but they won't go down there. And oh boy, if you light that basement on fire, there is no way to put it out. But there is yeah. really a lot of love done to this mod that I think you'll enjoy. Uh, it was inspired by the desire of the community to want basements and sewers. So it's definitely a more simple option. Um, but I feel like it's missing the stories of the inhabitants. You know, we want to go down there and if it belonged to a doomsday prepper, I want to see those notes as it is now. It's just a blank slate that you put stuff in. So you got to carry the shelves in there and pop them up. But on that end, you could do something cool with it. Like in the example we're showing on the screen right now is a large basement and it actually, they turned it into an arcade, kind of like an underground coin-op arcade with pinballs. You could turn them into nightclubs. I mean, you could have a lot of fun with it and that's really cool, but the simplicity of the mod as far as just what's there versus the fact that it doesn't play with well with other mods, I'm I'm not entirely sure it's very viable, especially if it lights on fire and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no, it's all uh, right. Do do you prefer stair basements like me, or do you not care that it's a ladder? Uh, due to the fact that it is constructed, I don't care it's a ladder. However, if this person were able to make it so like you can find these inside of pre-existing homes, I think a stairwell would be pretty cool. Uh, even if you couldn't walk up the stairwell, just interact with it to go up would be just fine with me. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think this is nice. I would be interested to hear why he didn't make a random generation for the houses to have the hatch mm -hmm. already pre-built. Yeah, I was curious about that too. He did say there's up to 182 locations that you could build in, but it's very strict. It's like no zombies can go in there. Uh, you know, you have to remove one of the anti-cheat uh, codes in the any. I mean, it's really, really nice for that small group. But at the same time, you gotta love the vanilla game and just want this extra flair. Uh, for me, I, when I was playing it, and you're gonna love this, I'm gonna tell you how I met my end dump. I starved to death. Uh, I was not paying attention to a helicopter event. I ran back into my house. I tried the best I could to fend them off. They broke through my barricade, swarmed, and I went down. And I waited a good two in-game days while I was farting around down there. And my character's like, man, I'm hungry. Oh, I left all my food upstairs. I went up the hatch, was immediately devoured. They were waiting for me at the hatch. And I was like, mm, probably not the best gameplay wise. You know, it's funny you actually say that because it actually brings up a point that I was just thinking about. And because this is, like you said, an instanced location, it also means that the hatch entrance isn't being loaded, which is why after two in-game days, when you came back up, you were swarmed immediately because guess mm. what? They weren't actually being rendered to roam away. So that's that's an interesting thing to think about, folks, when you're playing with this mod. Put your hatch somewhere safe. Don't be a Yarl. Yeah, I went down. I went back down into the basement and just wrote a note and stuck it on the table, even though there's no one who's going to read it and just sat there like, 
This is how I die. <laughs> What's up, Dwarf Fortress? Uh, <laughs> now, one of the mods that I thought was actually very well done, and it's not one mod in particular, um, we see it in the YouTube video by Ricks to Tricks, uh, Ohio Mall with sewers, and that's the sewer systems. Now, the way that the sewer systems actually work in this game is it's kind of like adding custom locations to your map. So you want to make sure that you download these, like the mall or Chinatown, wherever it has a sewer system, you got to download them. But the downfall with that is every sewer looks and behaves differently, even by design. And that's not, you know, how sewers are built. They're built very utilitarianistic, but I did like it. Uh, yeah, and thank you for posting that. Um, that's a video called Using Sewers to Survive Trapped in the Grand Ohio Mall. And it is phenomenal to give you that taste of what the sewers are like. Unlike the basements mod, zombies do spawn in here. Um, but again, it's really designed for those people who really like to customize the map and not just simply add on mods and then play in a vanilla world. Um, Dump, if you could go in the sewers and you know there's going to be Zeds down there, what would you take with you? Uh, I would definitely take, uh, like, spears, one-handed weapons. Um, definitely would stay away from... I would definitely take a firearm. Now, the reason why I would take a firearm is I would take a shotgun. I would, ta I would take a clearer weapon. Uh, where... Because... It's a sewer. They're going to have to bunch up no matter what happens. So I can easily use my shotgun to clear out tons of that. And because it's a sewer, it's a very limited area that there can be infected or zombies. Now, I could totally eat my words on that. And there could be like, you know, over 300. And I run out of my shotgun shell in the last like eight, you know, 25 of them. And they just swarm me. But I feel having that essential tunnel uh, vision essentially for them will make them bunch up and make them easy to deal with. Apparently, chat's calling out your strategy. Uh, Lieutenant General Zombie said, A yarl, feed yarl to them as a bribe. So apparently, it's a toll. So really, you don't need a shotgun. You just need me. You feed Father Connors to the zombies, and then you get like a temporary pass. We'll have to put that into practice. <laughs> That's tempting. But no. It's tempting. You're totally right, though. A shotgun would be perfect for it because, I mean, the way that water works in Project Zomboid, you can't even set foot in the smallest stream. So that means all of the zombies are going to be on those side... Uh, I guess they're sidewalks, but they're supposed to be like access points. And there's different boards and stuff connecting some of them, so you never know where the horde is coming from, and a shotgun would be critical. Uh, but it made me kind of interested to think, what are you going to find down there? And that's kind of what I explored when I was running through the Ohio Mall one. Uh, now, what's really neat is you can kind of get an idea if you're customizing the map, the complexity of getting all of the areas into your map. A lot of them aren't just the Ohio Grand Ohio Mall. A lot of them are custom locations like Chinatown. In fact, uh, I'm going to go ahead and post a link in chat right now. Uh, in this, oh, there you go. Don't beat me. I, I take back my old man con <laughs> comment from earlier. Uh, when you look at that video, you can see that the sewers are very similarly designed, but they have different aspects about them. And that's where the exploration side of me got really, really interested. Um, you can also check on the description of that video. And he has a bunch of mods that he's installed into Project Zomboid in the past. There's actually a lot of good ones if you're looking for ideas. Um, <clears throat> but I think sewers offer a dangerous but fun way to explore, to connect to nearby buildings, and if you so wanted to, to build a base, which of course means that you'd probably have to bring equipment down, uh, but you wouldn't be able to bring a generator. Not, not unless you had some sort of airflow, because I put a generator two rooms away and it still ended up killing me, so that was fun. Um... What else would you bring as far as survival? If you were going to stake into the sewers, what would you bring other than a shotgun? Well, I would definitely bring a fishing rod and stuff because I did watch those videos and they did say that the water is fishable. How realistic of that is, I don't know, but it's <laughs> okay. I would be okay to eat poop fish. Um, 
but I would also bring uh, some uh, some gas-based uh, things. Like if I could get a propane tank down there and maybe a propane grill, that would be optimal because uh, gas is very, very low uh, carbon dioxide producing. Uh, or it produces it really quick, but it dissipates even quicker. Uh, so I would do that if I'm thinking about realism. Because uh, a campfire, true. oh, you're, you're going to smoke yourself out. Yeah, you're, you're going to smoke yourself out. Breathe. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Dimension 119 has something that might contest with you as far as the fun champion. A sewer mod seems kind of crappy. Yeah, that's true. I would laugh if when you fished in the sewer, you actually got useful stuff, not just fish, but like useful items that were discarded into the sewer system. But I would absolutely love to see things like dead alligators, <laughs> you know, to, to go with that urban legend. Or you, you would accidentally find like, you know, like the blue diamond hope ring. I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> the necklace but, of Titanic. Know, Dimension 119, I just wanted to let you know, I looked it up, and apparently I can't change your name on YouTube to Captain Obvious, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. both, both of the videos that we talked about are in the description down below if you guys are interested in looking at them. Both of them are fun and interesting uh, as far as viewership goes. Definitely give a shout out to that. And what's really cool, it's not just side paths on the sewer. You actually see a lot of really neat things. Um, so it's so fun to explore and see that they were working on the sewer. So you'll see like wooden framework and like the little road uh, blockade signs. Uh, you'll find tools, graffiti. Uh, they did a really good job with the Grand Ohio Mall sewers to make it feel lived in, but also to indicate that you weren't the first person to think to go down there when the infection started. There were people from the mall that went down there and, uh, well, they're not people anymore, but you know, they're still fun to interact with and get backpacks and stuff that way to make surfacing back up to the mall a little easier. Um, and I do like the ability to drop in a little sewer at certain parts of the map to get away from a horde that you may have aggroed from Coachella or, you know, old Navy. <laughs> I would have to say there are two things that I hope Project Zomboy does when it comes to improving these um, mod ideas is one, I want if I go through a manhole, I want it to take time because I don't know if anybody here has ever looked at manhole covers to get underneath they are heavy as F it takes a lot of effort to get one of them up and two, I think you should have to open and close your manholes so yeah. When you go down the manhole, you should, once you're down there, you should have to right click and close manhole, which is a timed action. Now, the reason why I say this is because if there's an open manhole, there should be a percentage dice roll that if an, a zombie is there, they can fall down. And honestly, they could make it so like there's a pretty good, like 80% chance the zombie falls to its death, like cracks its head on the pavement, whatever. So, like, you might jump down there running away from them and before you have a chance to start uh, to close that manhole cover or to finish there might be three that drop down and one of them is crippled and as you close that manhole cover you look down and you hear the word the apple bite chomp as it bites your leg because guess what you weren't quick enough i'm gonna call out some of these comments because they're cracking me up uh first off 330t says oh yes poop fish a true kentucky delicacy um oh general zombie comes with a good idea bring stuff to trade uh you know why are all the zombies portrayed them as idiots we need a zombie market where you could trade them for right you could have a whole underground market literally uh i like that but i also like the idea of trade just for role play you know there's going to be other sewer gangs <laughs> tunnel rats sitting there um trav Brunel says if you tried to fish i don't think anything long and brown is edible well you know you're not desperate enough you gotta get that nestle <laughs> crunch bar my friend division 109 also nice. says always close your manhole oh that's good advice oh, for everyone that's good advice right <laughs> yeah. you don't want a zombie falling in your your manhole and breaking his neck oh my gosh <laughs> uh dump dump Graw, the king of wanting to make games more difficult you know what dump and i are are cut from the same cloth. I feel the same exact way, 100%. And, and you know to what, that point. Trained. Get out of here. 
Go <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the truth, though, your idea of closing the manhole is actually pretty good because if you have a high strength, you could even make that quicker based on your strength skill. I don't think it would be totally broken and it would give brutes more of a reason to travel with the smarties. Uh, I like that a lot, Dumb. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Hopefully that's something that last they include. Final, last final detail of that. If you're strong enough, you can treat it like a frisbee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Kentucky Captain America. You're just bouncing a manhole cover off of all the undead. <laughs> I don't know if so we have good. any artists in chat, but if you could make that, I would die. Just a guy holding a Kentucky manhole cover. <laughs> When we were beta testing uh, Fallout, the tabletop RPG, one of our members of the community, Danger Doip, was playing with us, and he made a super mutant called Sweet Lou, who wore a Chinese takeout hat on his head, but he attached a chain to the manhole so he could use it as a flail, but he also used it as a cooking grill. So he'd set it on top of a fire barrel and chop his meat. It was absolutely heinous because I pointed out to the players, I'm like, have you guys noticed that he just smashed up a bunch of feral ghouls with that. I don't recall seeing him clean it. And Sweet Lou's like, no, nah, it's the flavoring. You're fine. <laughs> uh, I love that idea, though. It'd be so cool to use the sewer lid in unconventional ways. Uh, so there's points of interest in this map and not just the construction zone, but fully fledged refrigerators that are powered in certain zones of the sewer that I thought was really cool. Sometimes they're less zombies, like it's like a survival camp. Um, but you really got to map everything out because there's a lot of cool stuff that the Grand Ohio Mall uh, sewer system has. And even the Chinatown sewer system, it was a little more, uh, oh my gosh, there's zombies everywhere. But it it's such a cool idea and it gets me excited that we're going to potentially be able to explore that this winter when Bill 42 comes out. You know, you're totally right. Having points of interest in any kind of situation, I'm going back to when we talked about procedural generation and our hand design. Points of interest are what make people want to explore your map, go somewhere. Again, like we discussed in our future podcast, they actually are what drive people around because you don't, if you can just live in one area permanently, you'll never truly, and you can find everything there, you'll never explore it. This is the downfall of some survival games that we've seen in the past, where everything can be made in one small area and you never explore again, which means that almost 80% of what you put your effort into map making wise just fails. So I really hope that uh, Indie Stone also learns this lesson with their basements because they did an amazing job with their map that they already have. Um, <laughs> so the basements and those source systems definitely need points of interest. I totally agree on that. Yeah, now that brings us up to we've we've talked a lot about how we would flavor these and make it different, but let's bring the point home to the fact that uh Indie Stone has been listening to the community. They've been looking at all of the really good mods, and in fact, they even shout out mods from time to time that they really enjoy. So, in the light of the difficulty and the consumption of time it took me to even get these mods somewhat working on a single player. If they're only a fraction of what we're wanting, are you excited by the premise that the devs are going to be building a system from the ground up that may provide us with even more? Not only am I excited, as a modder for DayZ, I actually think it's necessary to build from the ground up a system for this. And the reason is because as a modder, I work with the, within the confines of, for example, DayZ, but I don't have the true creative freedom to create all of the groundwork myself. Uh, me, me and Red Falcon found this out the other day with something we were working on when it came to uh, my cargo gray mod. There is a foundation of DayZ I can't touch, which directly limits and creates janky workarounds I have to design to fix problems or to enhance the game in a way that I wish to. So I actually think developers who don't go from the ground up, I think are shooting themselves in the foot because eventually they're going to have to come back and revisit that. And it may be far more work to revisit it and improve it than it would be if they had just built from the ground up. 
Yeah, and to that point, I think that's honestly where the basements and the sewers mods are struggling right now is the fact that they don't have the source code. They're they're basically figuring it out what what little parceled information they can. <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking on oxygen. Top of the food chain. Uh, but at the same time, I really like what Indie Stone had said earlier this year. I believe it was uh, February Thursday, where they were announcing that they've hired a couple modders to help them with Build 42. And one of the modders, the first comment he said is, hey, look, it's going to take me a little bit because I'm reviewing the actual code, but I have a feeling I'm going to be able to do a lot more with this. So it's it's really cool that they're not just being inspired by the mods, but they're going to these really successful modders and saying, hey, we'd like you as part of the team. And it's kind of a risk for Indie Stone. You know, they're hiring a modder. They've seen the product, sure, but they're they're revealing that source code. They're revealing everything behind the curtain. Uh, where the wizard sits so that they can make better mods. Um, I just have a curious question. Are you comfortable with the fact that companies don't release their source code? Or do you think that's kind of more of an obstacle and a nuisance for modders? I'm actually very happy they don't release their source code. One of the biggest issues that we face right now, and I know folks were talking about Project Zomboid, but my expertise comes in Daisy. Um, as a modder, um, mm -hmm. if we re if Daisy released its source code, they would have to obfuscate still parts of it. And you're talking about them choosing what to show, what not to show, and then it becomes really muddy because then where's the security risks? Where are the issues? Where are the exploits, the glitches? We already have a bunch of people on Daisy claiming hackers rampant. Which, by the way, it's not um, true. The statistics prove it. But the problem here is that open source code allows that to become, instead of a small statistic, to a huge statistic. Because right. that is already happening, but they're having to fight to get it. Um, so I'm actually full, uh, full against open source coding. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Oh. Oh. Oh, Red Falcon has an opinion. So I'm going to go the other way from what Dump just said. So first of all, Daisy, uh, probably two-thirds of the code is exposed in scripts. There's just some of the base engine uh, that controls vehicle behavior, as we found out, controls things like radios um, that is in compiled code, um, likely for uh, optimization reasons and not necessarily security. Um, I would say that your point, Dump, about uh, from a security perspective is true if you're, depending on the approach you take um, about securing your client-server communication. I think if you do it correctly, uh, you can even know how it works and not be able to spoof it. Um, I think so that's just a matter of how the development team approaches that and so forth. I think that if you want to make a closed game or you want to make a game that you allow mods, so it's a somewhat open game, but you provide, here are the functions you can call uh, to interact with, and here's how you interface with the game, but we're not going to let you see under the covers, uh, so to speak. I think that would be okay uh, to some extent. But like I said, right now, DayZ is fairly open. Um, once you learn how to read the scripts and where things are, you can start deducing like we did when we were looking at it. Oh, right. This, we just hit the barrier of this function is in compiled code, and then we can kind of guess what it is, but we really can't overwrite it. So no, I, I would be more in favor of making it more open uh, to allow modders, or just say this is a closed game, or it's very limited in how you do the mods, and this is how we're choosing to let you interface with it, rather than either having it all the way open, all the way closed. No, you're, you're totally right about that. And I'm not, but folks, to be honest, I'm a self-taught modder. So, like, I've taught myself up. Yar, I mean, Red here has years of experience on me. But to put, put it more frankly, Red, yes, even if someone knows how to read a code, it might be hard for them to mess with it. But me and you both know when it comes to the Daisy stuff, there have been plenty of things that we've been able to look at but not necessarily mess with. And we have found ways to replicate it entirely or even modify it later on. So... I think having access to that preview is where I would see the issue. Um, Ness, you're right. 
uh, Daisy is a little bit more open, but as far as the whole game engine side of things, it is pretty close to us. Yeah, and there are a few games like that. I want to read a comment from Always Streams here. So would Daisy be less hackable if two thirds of the code wasn't revealed, or is that completely unrelated to how safe a game is? Well, in my opinion, uh, in, in the talking about Daisy specifically, uh, it would not make it less hackable uh, if they hid the code in the script that is currently viewable. Uh, the parts that they're hacking are the uh, either the client server communication or things that emulate um, an admin tool. Yeah. In fact, that's that's kind of the point I was going to make a lot of the time. And that's the same with a lot of games. Uh, a lot of games that you see when somebody's hacking, cheating, they've got a flying car or they're spawning the best vehicle in, whether it be Battlefield or Halo Infinite has a huge problem with that. The issue isn't necessarily the source code itself. It's breaching that outer level of security and tricking the server to think you're either a developer or an admin so that you can do those game-breaking hacks. Um, I've seen plenty of games where you can't mod it at all, say the Call of Duty franchise, Hacking is still a severe problem in in those uh, games. Um, that that's the sad thing about hackers. Really, it's 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 not. It doesn't really serve a purpose. You're not really doing anything except griefing the players. Um, I have seen certain examples where servers get a total hustle hijack, but again, I think that's just trying to figure out how to get around the security system. For example, with Battlefield, it's BattleEye. You know, if you can figure out how to get around BattleEye, then you pretty much can make yourself an admin, tell the server that you're one of the owners and just wreak havoc or even just have a million clients join the server at the same time and DDoS the whole thing. And just like uh, Darkwing Tate here says, uh, it's about the packets. So even mm -hmm. if you don't have access to the to the source code and see how it's done, uh, the next level down is to put a, a sniffer on the wire and listen to the communication going on between your local client and the server and starting to reverse engineer that. Yeah, and there are certain games that are a little more forthright on the code because they benefit from it greatly. They, of course, they don't reveal the whole thing. You can't build a game from scratch using their engine, but a good example is Bethesda, right? And Bethesda reveals a lot of its code. A lot of their games are very moddable. Uh, it all started off with the TES editor for Morrowind and just kind of snowballed from there, which is a wonderful thing. The reason why I'm a little more protective on the engine itself is that I always run into a mod that seems like a great idea. I'll use Fallout 4 as an example. When it, when it was out for two years, there was the Scrap Everything mod fantastic mod just being able to change everything to what you like or if you want to cheat you could just walk around and delete stuff and get supplies but the moment you got into boston lexington uh, you know up to the diamond city the game would catastrophically it would just crash it would have so many problems there was no way of saving it there's no way to undo it because you went that far into the game and part of the reason why is because it took pre-combines and previsions and changed them broke them apart and what a pre-combine is, just to explain it to the audience, is let's say you have three wax candles and you got the candles, they're lit and they're on a cabinet and you're like, I don't want that. I want electric lights. Well, to save on resources, they would always put a dresser, the candles, the base of the candles and a light effect and pre-combine them as one model. So you're only loading the one model. The moment you use something like Scrap Everything, which breaks apart those pre-combines, and then you go into a busy area outside of Diamond City, it's loading every single tiny little thing as its own individual object and just totally messes up the performance, crashes the game. Um, but the main reason why I ask that is because, uh, in your opinion with modding, you I, I favor the limitations, but I, you know, I think that they could reveal two-thirds of the code like red said without having too much risk but do you find yourself ever breaking a server with your mods and releasing it or do you troubleshoot it in house so uh yes and no yes i troubleshoot it and fix it in house to the best of my ability 
no, I can't prepare for every single mod that a server chooses to use, and no, I can't pre prepare for every circumstance. Um, now, there are a lot of things I can do to prevent such things. I can put in uh, kill codes, um, not kill codes, but uh, essentially loop breaks. I can put in a bunch of other things, uh, like, for example, I have what's called babysitter settings on all of my mods configs. And pretty much what it does is it goes, if you set this over my maximum amount, I suggest, let's say, you know, door damage is set at 100%. It says you can't set it to 10,000%. You can only set it to a max of 500 additional percent. And I do that because if you set it over 500, you do so much damage, the Daisy engine literally doesn't know, doesn't know what to do with the bullet, and it will literally perpetuate the bullet stuck in one place forever and it will crash everything in the entire server but at the same time if a mod saw that i was being stupid and i don't need to babysit people they could disable my safety um safety regards if i don't do the proper protection setups so right. it can be kind of dicey yeah, and the, and the main reason why I bring that up is because that's why I think that we have a developer inspired by the mods to be such a big deal because they're going to be programming the game, adding stuff to it, changing the height maps to have a negative value as well as raising it for potential skyscrapers. And it's all going to be built in. It's going to perform better. And that way you could focus on your other mods and you wouldn't have to worry about them conflicting as much, which I think is huge. Um and that, I kind of added this in. I, I should have been a separate subject, but that's what I want to turn to the community. What do you guys think as far as this idea of basements and sewers being adopted by the devs? What aspects of that have you hyped? Are you glad that the devs are supporting the community by taking their ideas and producing it? Or would you prefer that to be left up to the modders? That's the question I want to ask you guys. Earl, hey, Earl, we we got your footage coming from the field. How's it going today, Earl? Oh, I agree. 100%. What do you think about basements and sewers being added? And do you think that zombies should have access into them? Mm. A lot to say. Now, if, if Dump and I were to invite you into our sewer, would, would you take a bite out of Dump before me? That's a fair point. I don't know what to tell you, Dump. It doesn't look like you're gonna... If it's you and me, Earl really likes you. I don't know. No, 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 no. I've been speaking a bit more zombie, and I think Earl said he'd bite you first. No, no, Just no, no. Just because no, you no. proposed he would bite me first. Listen, I've got kids, and I have a wife who's not a morning person. I am way more fluent in zombie than you are. Uh, let me try something. Oh, oh, oh see, he agrees. <clears throat> totally did not tell me to shut up. Okay, fine. You made your point. I'm sorry. All right, fine. Bite me. See if I care. All right. Uh, oh, Earl, we're losing reception. Uh, we're going to have to cut to the next segment. All right. Well, as you all can see, uh, uh, is he still on dump? Is Earl still here? Uh, yeah, uh, folks, it looks like Yarl has been bitten. We have a, uh, co-host for a host position opening up. Apparently, Earl and Dave don't share well with, uh, another zombie on stream. So, uh, we're looking for someone who's bald, who's intelligent, does streaming, and oftentimes has to run to the restroom faster than the speed of light. He beats Barry Allen there. Yes, that's true. Oh, we got a comment. I want the devs to do it 100%. Adding additional places and even new base areas is just more freedom as long as you can barricade. I 100% agree with this. And I love, if they have some of the assets I saw, like the road barricades, that's going to be really cool. Really cool. I, I, I couldn't agree more. So today we covered basements and sewers. What mods are out there so that you can explore it on your own. And I definitely encourage you to give it a try. At least make a new world unmodded and just take them out, test them out and see what you think. Uh, but I am so thrilled that we have a dev who respects, admires, and loves the community that much. That they're even looking into what the modders are doing to make their game a little more unique. Uh, hey, Tom, what are we doing on next week's episode? Well, next week, we're going to be talking about, guess what, folks? Daisy! And it is <laughs> going to be a fun episode once again, because guess what? We're just going to be having all the time. 
discussing one of my favorite topics, which is aging entirely. But before we uh, end, folks, I do want to put it out there. We are four subs away from that hitting 100 sub goal, and we are doing amazingly well. I'm very happy that you folks were here, and keep telling people about us when you like our episodes, sharing our content, and I'll see you guys next time. That's right. And remember, guys, sub for Earl, sub for Dave. It's job security for him. We'll see you guys next week. Thursday, we're going to be playing Daisy on our various channels, so definitely stop by and check it out. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Well, folks, thank you very much for watching our video and this podcast episode. Please like and subscribe, and it definitely helps us when you do. Please remember that you can also comment down below, and who knows, maybe we'll read or talk about your comment in our next episodes. Folks, I also want you to make sure to thank our staff members, being Yarla Goats and Red Falcon. Yarla Goats streams on Twitch quite regularly, and Red Falcon is responsible for the Red Falcon heli mods on the Daisy Workshop on PC. We were happy to have you folks here, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. 